Hey, Real Talkers, talk about making a splash. Real Talk's got the exclusive in this episode as Racky Pancholi officially launches her campaign for the Alberta NDP leadership and announces, if elected premier, she'll axe Alberta's consumer carbon tax. It's obviously a major critique of Rachel Notley's signature policy initiative, so how will it land? Let's get into it. This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. Coverage. Our coverage of the Alberta NDP leadership race continues in this episode of Real Talk. In just a second, we're going to hear policy, a big splash by Rocky Pancholi. She's the MLA out of Edmonton, White Mud, perceived probably by some, maybe more than a few, to be the front runner in this race. We'll see how she feels about that. And I'm going to ask her how she feels about rumors of other folks entering. But here's the deal. Racky is launching the campaign with a proposal around Alberta's carbon tax. And you know, if you pay any attention to Alberta politics, to politics across the country, that that is bound to get people's attention. Will it resonate where she hopes it will? We'll find out in these next 45 minutes or so. Thanks for being here with us. We've got a quick message out of the gates to let you know that if you're in the mood, if you're feeling the vibe that it is time to shake up your career and you want to do something, you want to do something that's going to put you on a different trajectory, maybe a rewarding and high paying career opportunity. But here's the deal. You don't have a university degree. Maybe your parents keep reminding you of that. It doesn't matter. You can get started as an insurance professional today with Business Career College. Start with an impressive salary. And of course, the options from there on in are endless. All you need to do is take an approved course, pass your licensing exam. Business Career College offers industry leading approved courses in life and property, casualty insurance. Plus, they've got expert instructors passionate about helping you launch your career. Here's what you need to know. Right now, you can save 15% off any business career college insurance course with the code REALTALK. That's all one word REALTALK at Business Career College. Racky Pancholi making waves in the Alberta politics landscape by announcing her candidacy for the Alberta NDP leadership race. It kind of feels like the worst kept secret. Everybody's been going, well, Racky Pancholi is obviously going to run. And so here you are. How does it feel to hit send on that video? Your team officially announces about 20 minutes before you and I are talking that, that your name's in the race. But it's been a long time coming. Thanks, Ryan. I'm excited to be here. I have to say I'm very excited about our launch today. Really, it's been um, something that's been in progress for a little while in terms of thinking what we want to put forward to Albertans as an offer, as a vision for this province that is optimistic, that is bold, that is exciting. And today we got to deliver our first uh, sign to Albertans as to what a Racky Pancholi government, a Racky Pancholi uh, Alberta NDP would look like. And we really want to focus on, um, I I want to focus on the stories that I've been hearing from Albertans. Right. We've been told a narrative for a very long time about what Alberta is. And if you listen to the current government right now, they talk about Alberta in a really small way, in a way that's about what we can't do, what we won't do, an idea of who the average Albertan is that just doesn't reflect the reality of the Alberta that I know and that I see in Calgary and in Edmonton and every corner of this province. You know, I've knocked on a lot of doors in the last few years. 
And I can tell you that Albertans are looking for some hope and some optimism, and they're looking for some bold, fresh ideas. I think it's time to bring a new perspective to Alberta politics to reflect uh, the, the, the concerns and the priorities of Albertans, but one that actually is really, you know, positive. I think people are actually hungry for that, to hear a little bit of, of what we know about Alberta, that we are a place of opportunity and optimism. They want to hear that. What, what's your sense of, of the way that Alberta has been represented or perceived, and, and how does that differ with your vision for the province? Yeah, I think anybody will tell you that the last, you know, four or five years of Alberta has been just a, a nonstop story of all the all the people we're fighting with, right? If you listen to the UCP, if you listen to Danielle Smith, we are making enemies out of the federal government, out of other Canadians. When we're talking about pulling our, our pension out of the Canada Pension Plan and taking the majority of it with us, they're putting ourselves at odds with, uh, with other Canadians. They're fighting with, with, with doctors, with teachers, with trans kids. It feels like everybody is an enemy right now when it comes to this government. And that is not actually how most Albertans see ourselves. And it certainly is not how we see the future for our province. You know, we have to really be thinking about the fact that we have 45,000 or 50,000 more Albertans who live here than a year ago. By the time the next provincial election comes around, 400,000 new Albertans will be here. Those folks came here for hope and opportunity. They came here because they think we've got a better quality of life and that's what they want to focus on. Is that the is that the, the projections or the predictions you're looking at them of 400,000 people uh, in the next few years? Absolutely. That's what we're looking at by 2027 if we continue on the path that we're going. And look, Alberta has always enjoyed being a welcoming place that brings people in from across the country, but also from around the world. But we have to make sure that we are both offering the supports and services and delivering a quality of life that Albertans have come to expect. Um, but we also have to prove that we are a place that focuses on innovation and technology um, and hope and optimism. Those are the things that bring people here. And it's how we grow our economy. It's how we continue to be the economic engine of this country. But we have to do it uh, in a thoughtful way. And we have to make sure that people, the story we're telling about Alberta reflects the Alberta that we really are. Okay, so you're, you're sitting down with your team and, and you're musing about you know whether or not you're going to run for the leadership was that was that a quick conversation or an extended one well these decisions don't come lightly actually it was more of a decision that I made with my family more than anything else yeah. right I know that after uh, the last provincial election there were many conversations that many of us had with people around the province uh, for me the decision to put my name forward really came from this urge to tell us the story of Alberta that I've experienced you know one is a daughter of immigrants to this this province in this country um, who was really made to believe that I could do anything that that this province was a place of possibility um, that story I don't feel gets told a lot uh, and I wanted to bring that forward and my you know my family and I sat down this politics can sometimes be a very divisive place and so I needed to make sure my my husband and my kids were were on board and I got to tell you they were on team Racky even before I was well yeah, yeah sure I mean <laughs> fair enough yeah, yeah. <clears throat> news you know Racky Pancholi's husband is going to vote for her in the leadership <laughs> hey congratulations he better. He better. congratulations on securing that one but you're, you're not running for the leader of Alberta's NDP. I mean, you're running to be premier, right? I mean, that's that's kind of what this thing is all about. And so when you sit down with your team, your family gives you the green light and you decide you're going to go for it, then you've got to decide probably in one or two words what your campaign's going to be all about. Yeah. Is it about the economy? Is that it? Is that what Racky Pancholi is running on? 
Well, I think it's actually about fresh ideas and optimism. That's what the that's what this campaign is on. But I think we can take that into many different areas, especially when we talk about things like the economy and things like addressing climate change, things like how we're going to address our public education system and our public health care systems, both of which are in absolute crisis right now. So we have to talk about things uh, in a way that resonates with Albertans. And I think people are looking for fresh ap- approaches. And one of the things I benefits that I believe I bring is that I can look at things in a different way. I don't think we have to be tied to the answers and the solutions that we had years ago. I think we can present new ideas uh, and take new approaches that reflect the challenges and situation that we are in right now. And that's a benefit that I believe I have. You know, I wasn't part of the NDP when we were in government, when Rachel was was premier. And it allows me a little bit of of a perspective on things that we can do differently um, and also respond to what's going on right now, what Albertans are concerned about. Yeah, I want to ask you about that. And and here's the question that that, uh, you're you're, going to have to already, I already know I got to ask a follow-up question because you're going to deflect and you're not going to want to answer it because I'm going to I'm going to say what would you do differently what's something you would do differently than Rachel Notley and then you're going to go into the whole thing about how she's been a wonderful leader and everybody loves her and everything's great but but the fact of the matter is is when the new leader comes in everybody's expecting a bit of a different stamp they're they're going to expect your personality uh to 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 be you know I don't want to say imposed on the party but that's exactly what it is I mean the leader uh to a certain degree and to a great degree will impact the direction of the party so, so how is Racky Pancholi different than Rachel Notley? So I will say that I want to give credit to Rachel Notley. Oh, come Notley. on, oh, I got to do it. She's the reason I ran, you know, Ryan. That's uh, because, but the way, the reason I ran when she was leader was because she showed how to be a pragmatic, thoughtful leader that would respond to the circumstances that were happening at the time. That's what I believe is very important to build upon. What I will say is that I think I bring... Uh, a new approach to the party because I think I represent more mainstream Albertans who are who didn't necessarily have their deep roots with the Alberta NDP but saw it as a vehicle by which to advance progressive interests but also just make some good public policy I mean I don't know if that's you know outdated to say that but I really simply care about making good public policy and the way you do that is by being open and being inclusive and talking to people from all walks of life all areas of business all sectors to properly understand how to develop good business that's what I that's my strength that's some thing that I bring to the to the party is that openness and I think that's how we make better decisions and uh, and put forward policy that is more reflective of what Albertans need and want right now you're practicing law before you before you ran right in Correct. Edmonton White Mutt um, what was it that, that convinced you to pull out of a successful career in law and, and enter the political fray was there like his particular issue was there something that happened was there a particular person what was it I've always been very motivated uh, to contribute to public service. I believe very strongly that we all have an obligation to make our community, our workplace, our province, our city a better place. And I thought, I think that I've been very passionate about many issues that are currently, of course, we're facing right now as a province. Education, healthcare. For me, it was really being a role model for my kids and saying, you've got to contribute to your community. Public service is an important thing to do. And I'll be honest, Ryan, too. I grew up in this province. I've been here for most of my life. I've watched politics for a long time. And I didn't see a whole lot of people who looked like me around the decision-making table. And I think it was really important to reflect the diversity of our province. I mean, look at Calgary. It's almost 46% visible minority. Edmonton's not far behind. We are a very different province than the dominant narrative uh, that has been told about Alberta. And I think that needs to be reflected in the decision-making. But I really wanted to bring a, a very non-ideological, a practical, pragmatic way to develop good public policy. That's what drove me to do this. Uh, and it's what's driving me to go forward now. I think we have to move away from being entrenched in old positions 
and say what makes sense now and what do we need to do to move forward and I think there's some big ideas that we can talk about that will do just that and you mentioned off the top you know I I, I saw I heard your intro and you talked a little bit about uh, about the carbon tax and that's something that I think is a great example of, of an issue where we need to be able to show that we're not tied up in old conversations um, or old positions and there's new ways of doing things now let's get into it so yeah. what what's your vision for this it's a made in Alberta plan everybody loves that from a marketing standpoint everybody loves something that's made in Alberta, not not concocted in Ottawa, but what would you do with, with the carbon tax? What's your proposal? So listen, I mean, it is very clear right now that the, the carbon tax has been the consumer carbon tax. And I want to be very clear, we're talking about the consumer carbon tax. It has become a political football and a distraction that has kept both the provincial UCP government and the federal conservatives in doing taking any meaningful action on climate change. It has become something that we have become so polarized around. And the reality is, is that Albertans have never, you know, been on board with the consumer carbon tax. And I say that knowing that I'm, I'm proud of the work that the uh, Alberta NDP did to bring in the climate leadership plan. But the reality is, even back in 2016, and even up till now, the public support for our consumer carbon tax is still remains very, very low. 68% of Albertans still do not buy into the idea of a consumer carbon price. They have not been given the, the, the information or the, they don't buy into the idea that it's actually carbon, that it's uh, revenue neutral. And then we have a federal government that has undermined the very premise of a, of a consumer carbon price by carving out exceptions for, for heating oil and for certain areas of the country. Basically, we're at the point where this has become a huge distraction from the very important issues of how we're going to address climate change. And we know that there are um, measures that can be taken that other jurisdictions have taken. You look at the U.S. and their Inflation Reduction Act. You look at in Europe, there's many different measures that can be taken to address climate change in a meaningful way around investments, around subsidies, um, all of those things and incentives, those are all pieces that can still form an, a really part of a, a robust climate change plan, which we know Albertans are deeply interested in. But we have to, I think, acknowledge that we have not brought the public along with us on that issue, and it may be time to move beyond a consumer carbon price and focus more on the things that do work, like the industrial carbon pricing and, and other measures to, to have a full plan. Now, look... I'm a leadership candidate. I haven't, you know, what I'm saying right now is we need to have a conversation about this. And I've been doing, having many conversations with leading climate activists in our, in our province, experts in this area, and we need to continue those conversations to say what would that climate plan look like um, without a consumer carbon price. So what's the proposal? I mean, in, in layperson's terms, what would you do with it? You just get rid of it? Well, it's not really at this point. It's not really up to the provincial government because, option. well, I mean, the UCP government handed it over to the federal government to take responsibility for. But I think we need to start talking about we can't wait to see what's going to happen. We know there's a federal election that's going to be coming up soon. But we need to be talking about what does that climate leadership plan in Alberta? Yes, a made in Alberta solution look like that may not include a, a consumer carbon price. I think that's just the reality that we have to look at. We cannot continue to be reactive on the climate file. We need to be proactive. And that's what we're seeing from the current provincial government. It's all the things they won't do. They won't, they don't want to meet all kinds of targets. They don't want to do uh, any of the work uh, that's required to actually address climate change. And they want to just fight. 
I'm saying we need to actually develop a plan with experts, with, adv with advice from climate activists, with industry to come up with a plan that actually says, okay, what are we going to do going forward that is proactive and not reactive? Because we can't afford to wait any longer. Ryan, we've all lived through last summer's wildfires. We've seen all the impacts, uh, the, the drought that we're going to be facing this year. We know that last year was the first year on record that we've actually seen that big increase in our, in our global temperature. Uh, so things are not going well and we cannot afford any longer to be dithering on these issues we need a robust plan that that canadians and albertans are going to be part of and see themselves in and are going to support so you know that your opponents in this race i mean some of them your colleagues at the alberta legislature are going to say well look at this right out of the gates Racky pancholi is not taking climate change seriously she's talking about getting rid of the consumer carbon tax she's talking about getting rid of measures that are intended to you know prompt people to to lower their emissions so you know as well as I do better than I do that you're going to have to convince people that you have an alternative plan that's going to be more impactful or more effective I know you want to go through the consultation you're going to talk to people but you have to have an idea of what that proposal is going to look like what are you replacing it with what's what's the idea here what do you think that you've cooked up that's going to be more effective on the climate file than the existing consumer carbon tax well I think what I'm saying is we can't be tied to old positions because there are old positions we need to be able to to say that we are responding to issues now. We need to be planning for the future today, not fighting old fights. Um, and so I think the there's no one answer, but we do need a robust plan, and that's what needs to be developed with with industry, with environmentalists, getting those experts on board. Uh, and we know that there are lots of, of examples to draw from in other jurisdictions. We know um, that focusing on incentives, focusing on subsidies for things like heat pumps, um, looking at measures that are happening in, the, in Europe. There's lots of things we can do. And these are conversations I've already started. Uh, but that's but what I'm saying is we need to have a fresh perspective and start to think about things differently. We need to take bold approaches. Uh, and I'm completely committed, as I know all Albertans are, to addressing climate change. We truly are. We have lots of solutions, and you look at the climate leadership plan that was brought in under the Alberta NDP, and we've made some great progress there. The industrial carbon price was incredibly effective, and it continues to be so effective that the UCP brought it, have continued it on. By the way, I'll, I'll mention that it does appear there's a number of UCP MLAs that don't even seem to be aware that we have an industrial carbon price. Sometimes they look very confused by that. But, you know, we have that in place, and it is very uh, effective. We also know that we've made great progress on methane emission reductions. We had a fantastic renewable energies program that has attracted billions of dollars of investment. Of course, the UCP government has put a halt on that with their moratorium, but there is great potential there. We just need to build on all of these strategies and do it all together. But we have to take climate change seriously, but we also have to bring Albertans along with us. How much of your plan is to appeal to existing NDP members and how much of your plan is to appeal to folks that feel like they're politically homeless, that they're not 100% sure what the party is for them, but hey, here's a new candidate here's here's an, an opportunity for this party to in a way rebrand i mean by by introducing a new leader and 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 you know de facto obviously some new policies are you talking to like are, right now are you campaigning in front of four and a half million albertans or are you campaigning in front of existing ndp members what's what's the game plan well, any leadership candidate right now should be focused on how do we win an election in 2027. And that's what I'm focused on. And we always know that the, the answer to both of those questions about speaking to the party or speaking to Albertans is the same. The answer is growth. 
The answer is to include more people in our party, to include more people in our vision, uh, and to be more inclusive of all those perspectives. We've already seen that with the progress we've made, even in the last election, and the number and the candidates that we have on our team now, and the caucus members we have. They come from all walks of life, all expertise backgrounds. You know, oil and gas, um, doctors, business owners. We have some very uh, we have some Albertans as part of our caucus right now that are very broad, and that's what we need to continue to build upon. So I'm talking to everybody right now because I don't think um, that there's any other way to win in, in 2027. We have to focus on making sure that everybody sees themselves as part of our party. And that's that's a perspective that I think um, is energizing and it's exciting. We don't need to be keeping people in or out of the party or in and out of our vision. The broader we are, the more p- welcoming we are, I think the more we're going to reflect more Albertans. Well, you know, one of, the, one of the uphill climbs that you have, I mean, if you talk to kind of this old guard, and, and this is probably holds true with any political party, but but there are a lot of people within the establishment that, that probably don't believe like you've paid your dues enough. You've been an MLA for a while, but there are people that are looking at those that have served in cabinet when Rachel was premier and they don't feel like, you know, they feel like somebody that's, you know, been part of the, uh, of this, of this movement for like 10, 12, 15 years uh, should be in line for the membership. And the more people that I talk to and the more emails that we get, the more I realize this to be true, that there, there is a real sentiment among some party members remains to be seen how many that Racky Pancholi hasn't earned her stripes quite yet, that maybe you need to wait a while. Maybe it should be one of those that served in cabinet before. What would you say to those critics? I think I'd say that that thinking is actually what keeps us from being government and it keeps us from uh, from growing our party. We can all know we all know this on just a basis of numbers in order to win in, a, in a, the next election. We need more people to support what we're doing and to see themselves in what we're doing. Um, anytime we're char- sort of doing any kind of purity testing or, or saying there's some kind of limit on, on how long you have to have been part of the party before you can do that. We're, we're drawing, we're making ourselves smaller. And the whole point is that we need to make ourselves bigger. I feel the same way about our province, right? And I feel the same way about uh, the narrative that the, that the provincial government is talking about, that it's too small of a view. We need to be bigger. This Alberta is a place that is very big thinking, that is very open. And our party needs to reflect that too. And I, I do believe that there are many, many, many more supporters and um, and volunteers and members who actually do want to grow the party, who came to us because they probably wouldn't have met those requirements of having been part of the party long enough. And they're with us now. And so that's how we continue to grow the party. Um, and I think, you know, I've served for five years as an MLA and um, been a very vocal advocate of the positions we've taken. And I truly believe in, in the, the values that we have espoused and we continue to espouse. We just need more people uh, to see themselves in what we're doing. And that's, that's my goal. For some people, you're not going to be an option uh, because they have it in their mind that the next leader of the Alberta NDP has to be from Calgary. Mm-hmm. What are you going to say to Calgary, to Southern Alberta right now to, to, sort of you know contradict that or, or to, to give them an alternative impression of what it's going to take to beat daniel smith and the ucp yeah i think i would say that we did not lose the last election because of the postal code of the leader we uh you know we have to really focus on a leader who's going to be able to grow the party in every part of the province and i've spent a significant amount of time uh you know honestly door knocking on doors from fort mcmurray down to medicine hat over the last few years a great deal of time in calgary and i understand the importance that calgary plays um, to our path to victory in in an election in 2027 also as an economic engine of of our province and uh you know the real heart and soul of, of some parts of southern alberta 
But, you know, we have a heart, lot of heart and soul all around this province. And I don't think we need an Edmonton candidate or a Calgary candidate. I think we need a leader for all of Alberta. And that is the that's my goal. That's my objective. And that's who I think I am. Uh, the, uh, the live chat today is, uh, what can I say? There's a lot of people, I, I don't want to bring you on here and like just blow smoke. Uh, Go ahead, uh, Ryan. Yeah, I, I'm sure you wouldn't mind. <laughs> um, but, but there's a lot of people that, that I think are, are enthusiastic about your campaign. I want to note that Sylvia is invoking a word that I don't get to use often on this show. She's celebrating your pizzazz, uh, which <laughs> is a word, is a word that we should probably use a little bit more. How, how, how much about leadership is, is policy and how much about leadership is personal? personality like obviously a party can can come up with a platform there's a lot of talented people that that go into policy development and the like but but a leader's got to bring something to the table that kind of x factor and all i can say about it is you know when somebody has it and you know when somebody doesn't you know what i mean i mean how important is that to you politics is really about human connection that's really what it is uh it's about you can you have to have great policy ideas. I believe in that. I'm a bit of a policy wonk myself. But ultimately, those ideas only go so far as you are able to connect with human beings about them, where you can meet people where they are and where you can sh- have a genuine curiosity and understanding that person's lived experience either in their family, in their community, in their business, um, all of those pieces are about understanding people and connecting with people. One of the things that, you know, when I got in, elected in 2019, Ryan, I, I was very new to politics. I didn't have much of a, a, a platform, a public profile at all. And what I really focused on was just being authentically me. And just like most Albertans, I have many different facets to my personality. I, you know, I am a daughter of immigrants. I am a mom. I'm a dog lover. I'm a partner. Um, I'm outspoken. I, I, I love kids. I do all of that's all of who I am. And I think when people are authentically themselves, uh, whether you're in politics or any leadership role, other people will connect with you on that. I genuinely have a passion for the people of this province because this is my province. This is where I've grown up. This is where I'm raising my kids. And I care about making this province um, fulfill the story that I know it is the story of Alberta. It is a story of being open. It is a story of being um, optimistic and hopeful. It's 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 a place where people want to bring their families, bring their businesses. People choose Alberta over and over again for a reason. And we can talk about all the economic reasons, but fundamentally it's about the people. And so I do think it's important for any leader to be able to connect uh, one-on-one with people, but also more broadly, right? And um, I think human connection is what we're all seeking right now. And it's something that I, I enjoy that part of this job very much it's a, a bit of a bs move right now for me to get you to comment on the candidacy of somebody who has not announced their candidacy but everybody's wondering if calgary's mayor Nahed and she's going to enter the race based on what felt like a bit of a campaign speech mm-hmm. in calgary over the weekend not to take away from or criticize the or you know or question the sincerity of his message uh around vulnerable kids but people are starting to wonder he's wearing his purple shirt everybody goes that's his campaign color and what a lot of people, when, when I've got my ear to the ground, are talking about is is if this comes down to, you know, let's say hypothetically, Raki Pancholi versus Nahed Nenshi, uh, does experience in the legislature matter? Uh, does experience with the Alberta NDP matter? Can, can I ask you to comment on the potential candidacy of Calgary's mayor and, and how it may impact your perspective here as, as what some probably would describe as, as, as the front runner in this race right now? 
Well, I've known Nahed for a little while, and I can tell you he always wears purple. That's his okay. trademark. He always wears a little bit of purple. Um, but, you know, I think I really want this leadership race to be energetic and have a good exchange of ideas. I just said, Ryan, I don't believe that we should be drawing lines about who should or should not be leading the party uh, based on any kind of experience. I think an open leadership race where we have lots of engagement and excitement is a great thing for the party. And that's something that I'm looking forward to as well. So any any candidate um, who's coming forward from either outside the party or within the party, I think that's a great thing. And I encourage that discussion. And I think we're going to have a great exchange of ideas. And I'm, I'm excited to see who puts their name forward. I very much think uh, this should be a, a focus less on running against each other and more on putting forward ideas to Albertans and the members to get excited about. If I could take one thing away from uh, from what I've learned from the last provincial election, it's that Albertans are really looking for something to vote for, not against. And that's what I th- hope we'll have lots of ideas about what to vote for. Well, let me ask you about that. Kathy in our live chat right now says we need to find a way to, to bring people back together again. Kathy, I agree. She says politics shouldn't be a team sport. I mean, it inherently is, but I, I love the spirit of her comment. Uh, Noob Try Again says, what is Racky going to do to engage the rural voters uh, to get them to vote for the NDP? This seems to be troublesome for the party. What's, what's the rural outreach strategy? How important is that to you? There's absolutely no doubt that the rural outreach strategy is critically important. You can take it from a political perspective as saying the path to victory, um, you know, it, it can't just be Edmonton and, and Calgary because it's just a very tight, narrow path. But more importantly, I do believe it's it's imperative that any leader of this party is focused on leading the entire province, not just the two major cities. Now, we made some great progress. We increased our vote in, in almost every riding outside of Edmonton and Calgary across the province in the last election. That shows to me that we can continue to make progress. It's the momentum that we have to do. I think it's really important that we have, you know, strong local candidates that, you know, understand the issues in their community who are given the ability to speak in a way and reflect those issues um, that their local community identifies with. Uh, we need to have strong constituency associations in all those areas. But this is this is a really important part. You're going to see me uh, announce as part of this campaign, a rural campaign strategy. Uh, I've, I've been very... Let's just do it right now, Raggy. <laughs> it's coming out. We're, we're, I've, I've got some fantastic um, uh, former candidates for us who are going to be part of that team and and are going to be helping to develop that strategy. But uh, let me just highlight, it is absolutely important. And, you know, we lump a lot of things into rural Alberta. We say rural Alberta, but we're really talking about a lot of, yes, rural areas, but small cities and mid-sized cities, a sure. lot around Edmonton, Red Deer, Medicine Hat, Lethbridge. Um, those are all areas that we can win, uh, but we have to connect with people on the issues that matter to them. And let me be clear, I don't think those issues are that much different than the issues we're talking about all across the province. In those communities, they care about access to health care. They care about their public education system. They deeply care about climate change and, and uh, an energy sec- uh, energy policy because it affects them most dramatically. So I think we have those issues that we all connect on. We just need to communicate with them um, in an authentic way and listen to the views of those people in those communities and make sure we have strong candidates that reflect their, their views. So you've got uh, some runway here, obviously, and you're, you're going to be looking at, obviously, a leadership race is a huge opportunity to, to develop those memberships and, and to, to really grow the party. And obviously, fundraising is going to be a, a big part of it. Um, I'd be curious for your perspective behind the scenes on like recruiting 
including those that are going to endorse you. We talked to Kathleen Ganley yesterday, former justice minister, obviously your colleague at the Alberta legislature. And I see shortly after our interview with her, there comes the team photo of, of your colleagues at the legislature, those that are that are putting their names out there as endorsing Kathleen Ganley. How about those that are endorsing Racky Pancholi? How important is that? What goes into that? Are there kind of like hard feelings when you see some of your colleagues endorsing the other candidate? You're going, what the hell, man? You and I have talked for a long time. You and I have been out for coffees. What are you doing endorsing them? Take us into that and, 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 and the support of, of, of your colleagues and, and, and obviously rallying the team behind you. How important is that? And, and I know our audience would love a behind-the-scenes look at that. Well, you know, I, I launched a video today uh, for my campaign launch, and you know, you might some people might note some familiar faces in the in those mm. videos. Um, what I will say is, you'll certainly hear more about from my campaign about in endorsements from both fellow caucus members as well as people who are from outside the party as well. Um, endorsements are always, I think, a very strong indication of you know the, the kind of uh, leadership one could one could offer, right? And I think that's what you'll see the kind of people who are are supporting me. The things the uh, it'll give you an indication of the direction our party is going or my leadership would go in. I think endorsements are, are a wonderful piece, but really I'm trying to appeal to to members, right? And I'm trying to appeal to Albertans more broadly. And uh, and I know many of my caucus colleagues, are they're doing the same thing. They're, to your, answer your question, Ryan, is there hard feelings? Absolutely not. This has to be a competitive... I didn't think you were going to say yes. <laughs> this is a, Just on the record. This is, a, this is a, a competitive race, obviously, but ultimately we are a part of a team. We are, and actually one of the strengths of our party, and I sat for four years and watched the, the UCP just stab each other in the back and fall apart left, right, and center. We don't do that. We haven't done that, and we don't do that. Our strength has always been that we're united as a team, and no matter what happens and who is chosen as the leader of the party, we will come together uh, in a very strong way immediately afterwards to support the new leader because this is about winning the election in 2027. So I know all of my caucus colleagues who are running and those who are supporting other candidates, we're doing it for the same purpose. We want to be government. We want to reflect the values and priorities of Albertans. And that's what we're going to be doing. And we all have, I, I think it's great that we have so many strong candidates who are coming forward. This is all about respect and integrity with each other, with our teams, with our with other candidates and supporters, and coming together, united behind the new leader whenever that leader is, is announced. It's kind of interesting when it comes to the UCP, when you, when you look at like the UCP or NDP reputations, I'm going to be super lazy here, and I know you'll push back and I invite it. Uh, I'm teeing it up, but, but people will say like, you know, uh, matters of the economy. Like I like where the NDP stands on the social stuff, but, but my number one election priority is the economy and so I'm going to vote for the UCP and I know it drives you crazy it drives NDP MLAs crazy uh, because obviously you have conviction that you've got that economic plan that's going to work for Alberta so so big picture there's a lot of people that will trust conservatives with the economy when the economy's not working out for people when there are people that are experiencing an affordability crisis or people that are having a really tough time making ends meet then they kind of look to the other parties to solve that mm -hmm. isn't that kind of interesting and so what's your plan when it comes to an Alberta that most people believe will will experience or will continue to experience a population boom over the next 10 to 30 years. Uh, it's going to obviously create or exacerbate a housing crisis. It's going to create great job opportunities. But right now we know that there's a, I mean, we're using that word crisis a lot, but there's a, a very real talent shortage. Uh, we talked to Alberta Chambers of Commerce. They tell us 80% of businesses are experiencing talent shortages, skilled 
worker shortages, and everything that comes along with that. I mean, I could go on and on and on and make the question 20 minutes long, but what's your plan when it comes to the affordability crisis, the housing crisis, and ensuring that people actually can afford to live here if they choose to live here? So let's be clear that the, any plan has to include actually addressing those issues because here's the here's the challenge that we have right now in this province and when yes when people say the UCP is better on the economy we have a government right now that is not governing they are not doing anything meaningful to address the housing crisis to address the, the yes they were saying crisis because they are crises if you talk to Albertans that's exactly what they experience when it comes to health care and education and by the way having a healthy people and having an educated uh, uh, citizenry is actually incredibly important to our economic health. But we also see them taking measures that are directly um, contradicting their view of, of having us growing the economy. They put a cap on renewables, uh, which we have a multi-billion dollar renewable sector in this province, which is booming at a rate beyond anything seen in other parts of the country, and yet they put a cap on that. This is not a, this is not a government that is taking seriously the economic future of Alberta. We also know that to address the economic future of Alberta, we have to be focusing on climate change. We have to address those, those very real issues um, uh, that come along with wildfires and droughts and affect agriculture and affect all the pieces that we require to have a strong economy. So the plan is you have to take those issues seriously. We have to actually invest in things like affordable housing um, immediately because we have Albertans who are coming here who don't have a place to live. If we're having a talent shortage, which we absolutely are, and I've heard from many, many people in the business community across the province about that talent shortage, if people have no place to live, we are not going to be able to attract that talent. So there, like, these are multi-pronged issues that are complex, and what doesn't help us is when we've got a government that's focused on um, talking about things, in, first of all, that are distractions from these major issues, but are also doing talking about what the things they won't do. They're all, we always hear from the UCP the things they're not going to do instead of the things that they are going to do. Um, so, you know, we need strong investment in all of those pieces, but we need to actually be governing. I, I know that sounds silly, but it, this is what this government is not doing. They are, I actually had somebody in Calgary say to me, when do we think the UCP is going to start governing? Uh, and I don't know the answer, and we still haven't seen any indication that they're ready to do that. Well, I mean, uh, obviously, you know, the policy, I'm kind of burying this question late in the interview on purpose because I don't think that it needs to be the theme of anyone's leadership race, but most people will be curious to hear your your impression or your response to Daniel Smith's policy announcement on January 31st. I probably, by just saying that, everybody knows what I'm talking about. Uh, parents and pronouns, uh, you know, gender reassignment surgery, gender-affirming health care, uh, trans women in sports, sex ed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you were currently uh, the NDP leader, if you were the leader of the official opposition when that policy announcement's made, what would you be telling Albertans? Well, I'll tell them what I, I did tell them already, which is I know I'm a parent. And so I understand firsthand that parents want to, want to be part of the decisions that are happening with their children. They want to know what's happening. I understand that. That is completely natural. I think that Albertans have been fed a lot of misinformation deliberately about what's happening in schools, for example. And the, the response to that is not to further divide and to pit teachers or parents or anybody against each other. It's actually to bring people together and communicate and encourage more parents to understand what's happening in schools. And that line of communication needs to be much, much broader. We have to stop dividing people and really work on uniting people. But what I will say is this policy is very much, we absolutely know for a fact, is going to make it, 
it's going to put more vulnerable kids at risk. We know that without a doubt. I was the, I was the critic for children's services for four years, which looking at the child intervention system, we heard over and over and over again the overrepresentation in the child intervention system of children and youth who identified as trans, who identified as LGBTQ2S+. And they are an incredibly vulnerable group of kids. And we know that this is going to put them more at risk. They are going to have fewer safe spaces for them to be in. And this is a tremendous distraction from uh, the really profound things that are going on in our education and healthcare system. We have yet to see any real uh, approach from this government to address overcrowded schools, lack of supports, parents traveling, having to take one kid to one school, another kid to another school 45 minutes away because the school is full. Uh, you know, I had a constituent reach out to me this week who told me that her husband is diagnosed with stage three cancer and is going to have to wait three years for surgery. These are profound issues that this government is not dealing with, and they're choosing to, to make vulnerable kids more at risk um, and to pit parents against each other and against doctors and against teachers instead of bringing people together it is it is a profound disappointment to me that this is this is the priority of this government right now and we need to be making sure that kids all kids are safe uh, and parents understand what's happening in schools and th these are things that we can bring people together or we can divide them they've chosen to divide and uh, I think it's 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 incredibly unfortunate yeah a close friend of mine uh, she's not yet turned 40 and she's fighting uh, I don't want to talk too much about her I'm going to break apart but she's fighting stage four surgical cancer right now and I am outraged at the amount of time that it's taking for her to see oncologists that the amount of time it's taking for her to see specialists and her life is hanging in the balance and we love her dearly and, I, and i'm fucking furious about the state of our healthcare system right now and it's actually lighting a real fire underneath me i don't want to get into it too much right now uh but i'm going to dedicate our coverage of this over the next year as she heals and gets better uh to that because this is impacting real people in very real ways i'm going to be tacky in closing um and i got a checklist of things that help people politically yeah. Okay, and uh, and I'm going to ask what sets you apart because if, if if the rumors are correct and everybody runs that we expect to run, you will not be uh, the only woman running. Uh, you're not the only sitting MLA that's running. You're not the only mom that's running. You're not going to be the only lawyer that's running. You're not going to be the only person of color that's running. You're not the only person from Edmonton that's running. So so and I could go on and on and on and on through the checklist. But but what is it aside from the obvious, the pizzazz uh, that I think it was Sylvia that's talking about? But what ultimately is going to set apart Racky Pancholi? The question is why do you uh, need to be people's, people's only choice as the next leader of the official opposition, ultimately the Premier of Alberta? Why is it you? Ryan, I believe I'm the only candidate that can really represent all of Alberta, that is really going to be leading for all of Albertans, that is focused on the things that Albertans desperately want to hear about. They want to hear about optimism and they want to hear about a fresh approach to things. I want to get out of the ruts that we've been in in politics of, of bickering about the same things and in, in black and white situations. The world is gray. The world is complex. I understand that complexity and I understand the complexity of Albertans. And I think there's something really hopeful and optimistic to talk about when it comes to the future of our province. And I don't think that's that's centered on any one geographic location. I think it's about reflecting people uh, and their values uh, more broadly. And I think that openness and that inclusiveness that I think I've brought in all my work so far is going to continue to serve this province well and the members of our party well. And I think it's going to get us to win in 2027. She is the MLA for Edmonton White Mud. You can check out her campaign at voteracky.ca. Um, I'm doing my best to like be fair in all of these interviews, right? So I just want to, you know, so I'm not like reading all the comments here, but there are people that like as soon as you showed up,
showed up here that are saying, I just, as soon as I saw her video this morning, I bought a membership. And I know that uh-huh. that'll be music to your ears because that's kind of the game. And that's where it starts. And every single person is 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 your next, uh, you know, I mean, that's the next person, right, that matters, Absolutely. right? As you grow this membership one by one by one. I wish you and the other candidates all the best. And we'll, we'll look forward to seeing how this turns out. Thanks for making time for us upon your announcement. This is the first interview you're doing. We appreciate it. Thanks, Ryan. I always love talking to you. Always. Feelings mutual. That's Racky Pancholi, MLA out of Edmonton White, but potentially the next leader of Alberta's NDP. Let us know what you thought about the interview. Talk at ryanjesperson.com. When we come back from this quick break, uh, we're going to sit down with three political commentators, uh, Leah Ward, Sabrina Grover, Max Fawcett. We're going to get into Racky's proposal. We don't have all the details, but that kind of made an Alberta alternative to a consumer carbon tax. How will it fly? We know a lot of people are going to love it. Actually, some conservatives are going to be in a wind wobble because they're going to love the idea, but they can't buy an NDP membership. Can they? Or can they? That's coming up in just a quick second. First of all, This conversation's happening because our friends at Apex Automation want you to know that they're hiring right now. They're putting out the call at apexautomation.ca for talented engineers that are looking to work in Saskatchewan, Alberta, British Columbia. If you're working currently in the energy industry, we're talking pipelines, natural gas processing, upstream oil extraction, potash mining, chemical manufacturing, robotics, you name it, Apex is automating it. And right now, they're looking to bolster their team. As a matter of fact, they're taking on more work than than right now they can believe. And that's kind of been the trend over the past few years. It means they're growing their company in their field offices in Saskatoon, in Vancouver, in Texas, and of course, their headquarters right here in our home city of Edmonton. If you're an engineer and you'd love a fresh start or a new opportunity with a company that's going to value your contributions, you can check out the careers link at Apex Automation. Our friends at Complete Care Restoration are reminding you right now that if you're dealing with that nightmare around burst pipes or potentially you're still trying to figure out what you're going to do, your family's cabin or cottage, your property, your business that was impacted by wildfire or whatever the case, it could even be black mold. It could be one of those situations where you think you're getting into an easy and quick renovation You bust open a couple of walls and you discover asbestos. You don't want to be dealing with this yourself. They're experts, Complete Care is, in hazardous material removal, which means their experts are trained to deal with this and they're certified. They treat every project like it's their own. Don't mess around with your biggest investment, your business, your property, your home. If you experience, heaven forbid, fire, flood, or something else, visit CompleteCareRestoration.ca. Let them know that Real Talk sent you. Our friends at Friesen Brothers have a big thing happening on the 10th and 11th of this month. I look at Johnny every single time I talk big about thing, it. Big you know thing. what I love? Any, anytime <laughs> anything vegan comes up on the show, I look over at you and you just start laughing because you know I'm throwing it to I you. I know you're coming they, over. They got, they, they got the big vegan feast coming up on the 10th and the 11th. Uh, this is out of their South Edmonton location, the Rabbit Hill location. It's the vegan feast. It's 20 bucks. I can't even believe that. Like, honestly, the price is it's ridiculous. Incredible. Like, it's... you go, you go, like, through some, you know, BS fast food drive through. Yeah. It's costing you 20 bucks. You go here, you're getting home-cooked, home-styled, vegan lasagna, yeah. vegan shepherd's pie, it's, full salad bar for 20 bucks. It's not just that. Everywhere I go, why why are plants costing more than meat? <laughs> well, they aren't at Friesen Bros. They're not They're at the Friesen. same price or lower. That's right. So you go to Friesen.com slash vegan to get details, or you just show up on the 10th and 11th 
of February from 4 to 8 p.m. It's an all-you-can-eat vegan feast that's at the Rabbit Hill store. Friesen Brothers is Alberta-grown and Alberta-owned. Are you looking to get your life on track? You're looking to get your life organized? You promised yourself. You promised yourself. Your news resolution was that you were going to get everything sorted out. You were going to declutter. So what are you doing about it? Why not take two seconds to visit californiaclosets.ca. They offer custom closets and storage solutions for your entire home. Make the most of your space. If you're like me, there's parts of your home you're not even... You don't even want to go there because it gives you anxiety. Is it your laundry room? Is it your storage room? Is it your garage? For me right now, it's the garage. It's just not organized. California Closets offers free design consultations. Check out their website. Showing it to you right now. That's californiaclosets.ca. You get the design consultation started for free. And I can tell you firsthand, you're going to love what they do. All right. Let's see how this is going to land. Uh, oftentimes, you know, we love talking to political candidates. We love talking to elected representatives on what their plan is. And then we like talking to the commentators and the experts on how we think that plan will resonate. Will it actually work? Is it good policy? So Racky Pancholi essentially wants to blow up the Alberta consumer carbon tax. And I know a lot of people that are going to love it. But is it the right move? Uh, we're joined right now by political strategist Leah Ward, by political commentators Max Foss. And of course, Sabrina Grover uh, joining us as well. Grover, uh, Sabrina, it's great to see you, Max. It's great to see you. Thanks for joining us remotely, Leah. It's nice to have you here in studio. Uh, you have worked uh, in past. You worked for Premier Rachel Notley at the time on the climate file. I so I have to imagine that a policy like this or a proposal like this is immediately catching your attention. What do you like about it? What do you hate about it? Uh, where are you sitting? Yeah, I, I mean, I I don't know if you can if the cameras can pick up the gray hairs and the there's uh, like three or four of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have I have some scars to show from from my work uh, advising the NDP government on on the climate file. Um, you know, when I when I when I think back to 2015 and when Rachel Notley unveiled the the climate leadership plan, it was a really proud moment for me as an Albertan. It was a continent leading plan. It was tailor made for Alberta. It included endorsements from industry from environment environment uh, across the economy um, and it really at the time made sense given the given what was happening in 2015 the federal government was saying you got to do this or we're going to do it to you um, and we got ahead of it and we, we made something um, that worked for Alberta's economy since the UCP has come in, a lot of that stuff has been taken down. Racky mentioned it when she, when she was on earlier in terms of seeing, you know, uh, cuts to uh, investments in renewables, the erasure of emissions reductions programs, of energy efficiency programs. Those kinds of things really undermine the effectiveness of the plan that we put forward. Um, and then, of course, we can see we see the feds whittling away at the at the viability of, of a consumer carbon t price as they continue to sort of carve away at it. Look, Max is an expert. He can tell you what what alternatives might look like but when i think about the difference between 2015 and 2024 i'm excited about an idea that will that will actually work in the current context with you know you know ten, a decades worth of new ideas and new technologies i think that's a really important conversation to be having well right yeah now. we we wanted to reach out to all three of you cause, and, yeah. I'm, and i'm curious to see how you're all going to feel max i I'm, i don't know if you're an evangelist for the carbon tax but you've been on this show many times insisting that pricing carbon is the best way to uh to address the climate crisis and and to prompt or facilitate sort of emissions reduction is that a is that a fair assessment so so how is this landing with the, the 
the early details we have uh, from MLA Pancholi. How's it, how's it landing with you? It's landing better than I thought it would. Um, I'm an evangelist for people telling the truth about carbon pricing. I'm an evangelist for having a factual conversation, and that's why I push back so often against, uh, I think, conservative efforts to misinform people. Uh, but you got to remember, it, the carbon tax is the most efficient way to reduce emissions. It is not necessarily the most effective. And there was a conversation back in 2015, it's been sort of running since then among economists, about whether we should use regulations, uh, what, what economist Mark Jacquard has called uh, flex regs, or we use carbon pricing. And, and we landed on carbon pricing in Alberta and then federally. Um, but you know th that is not the only way to, to get to the end goal that we want to get to. And I think you know, the combination of a federal liberal party that has consistently undermined its own signature policy, whether that's through just not communicating the rebate properly over and over again, or giving carve outs to certain parts of the country, like like Rocky said, you know, they have undermined their own policy here. And then, of course, you have the federal conservatives who have spent the last, you know, six, six years just constantly misinforming people about the carbon tax, lying about it telling people it's responsible for food prices, inflation, you know, the, the fact that their cat is sick. They, they blamed it for everything. And, and I think a smart politician needs to read the play in front of them, not the play behind them. And the play in front of, of the NDP leader, whoever it ends up being, is you're either going to have a federal government that continues to sort of incompetently message around this, or you're going to have one that eliminates the carbon tax, the consumer carbon tax. So why not get ahead of that and look at some other alternatives that can, you can actually brand as a made in Alberta solution. I mean, I think that is such low hanging fruit that the UCP has refused to pick ever since it was elected, but it's right there for us. Sabrina is Rocky Pancholi taking a big risk on this from, from sort of when you, when you look at the, the NDP faithful, the existing party members, those that, that believe inherently that climate needs to be a top priority, that, that, that meaningful action on climate change needs to be, you know, a top three priority for the next Alberta NDP leader. The optics of this, if not properly explained or explored, could be that Racky's, you know, easing off the gas pedal on this, that she's going to make it easier for people that have long complained about or criticize the carbon taxes she's putting her neck out there a little bit yay or nay what do you think i think you know as max and lee have said obviously the politics of carbon pricing right now is quite mucky and i think no one is really doing a good job at explaining it and, and i'm a federal liberal so i can say that um but i think that what Racky's doing isn't not being serious about climate i think definitely you've seen her put out a position that says okay, let's actually tackle the problem where it is, which is large emitters. And moreover, let's make sure that there's consistency, stability, and that we're not only just tackling the problem, we're also forcing reinvestment back into the, um, you know, back into Alberta's economy, back into the low carbon economy, back into new innovation on renewables. And I think that is what Albertans need to be serious about climate. I think at the end of the day, it's not necessarily about who we're taxing, uh, but it's about whether or not those taxes or that price on carbon is effective. And I said for a long time that the most effective way to deal with carbon pricing is by hitting large emitters. Large emitters are the ones that are not only going to be most effective in reducing their actual output, but also the ones that we want to incentivize to be more innovative and to reinvest in, say, like CCUS and make sure that they're actually coming along with us. So I think from this perspective, she is being serious about climate. What I think is going to be important is 
how that's communicated, like you said, right? So do people understand what it means to be serious on climate? And do people understand that there's actually going to be visible and like substantial reductions in pollution if we take this path? And I think that's what's important. Um, and then making sure that we also understand that this is an all Alberta solution, right? That we're not just targeting certain people, we're not just targeting certain um uh, you know, certain regions, that this is something for all of Alberta. And I think that will be important in her messaging to get out to, to folks. And at the end of the day, this is a leadership. Uh, this is a leadership. So the plan is to grow the party. You want to attract more people to the party. So I think there's a lot of different views on how we attack climate in Alberta. And not everybody has that same view on um, a consumer price. And maybe this is an opportunity to get those people on side. Yeah, let, let, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the political strategy strategy around here. Like, Leah, you've been obviously involved in politics for quite some time, uh, both on the, the lobby and advisory front, as well as the strategy and comms front. I mean, you've, you've worked in the premier's office for a long time with Rachel Notley. Like, how important is it? Like, let's just talk about the strategy of Racky uh, launching with a with with a bold proposal. Not every candidate does that. A lot of people are like, I'm in the race. Here we go. Let's start talking about, you know, the economy and housing. And then some of the others are going to say, I'm launching day one with something that's going to cause some ripples. That's going to cause some waves. What do you make of it? Yeah, I think I think it's very clever. Uh, and I think it speaks to the kind of leader that that Racky is offering herself up to be, which is one focused on the issues, focused on the province, focused on 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 people and the challenges they face, and less on her. So you'll see a lot of the candidates launch campaigns where they're like, you know, introducing themselves to Alberta. Um, and what Racky is doing is introducing ideas and solutions. And I think that, that, that that's a, a big distinguishing factor and, and, and quite a clever strategy. Interesting comment here. Uh, appreciate seeing Rick in the live chat. He says, I want a leader who's going to get things done on mm. climate change. The whole debate around a consumer carbon price seems to be getting in the way of that. Uh, so let's consider alternatives, as Racky is suggesting. Max, you just talked about, in, in your mind, the importance, uh, or at least the smart move that it would be for any politician or political leader to, to be going not where the puck is, but where the puck is going. Uh, everybody's talking about that whole heating oil thing and Atlantic Canada and Justin Trudeau and like discrediting his own carbon tax, which arguably was intended to be his entire life legacy is is rocky a little bit ahead of the puck on this one can you see more and more provinces start to muse about this i'm thinking saskatchewan manitoba and then beyond do you see this becoming a bigger thing yeah i think she's way ahead of the puck um i mean you're even seeing it in manitoba with an ndp government there where you know they've talked about carbon pricing in a way that is i think a little different than some people might expect you know they have a, a gas tax rebate there for for citizens so i think it, it is important to be alive to where the public is on an issue and, and where they're willing to go. And I think back in 2015, 2016, you could imagine that uh, a, you know, a carbon tax would be a, a winning proposition. And, and the reason why it was so attractive is because I think people thought that it would appeal to conservatives. You know, it was originally a conservative idea. Milton Friedman, you know, the god of conservative economics, uh, you know, was a was a backer of it, you know, back when I was born in the 1970s. So it is a conservative idea that has now been opposed by conservatives across the country. I think at some point you you have to kind of reassess what the upside is for a given political idea and, and see if it's worth spending your political capital on it. And at the end of the day, the goal here is not to have a carbon tax. The goal is to reduce emissions. The goal is to address climate change. Uh, and the goal is to prevent catastrophic warming and, and all sorts of other things. So 
there there are different ways to do it. There are different ways to attract the sorts of capital that the oil and gas industry needs to decarbonize. There are different ways to get low, you know, clean energy and low carbon entrepreneurs to come to Alberta. We've seen that in the United States with the Inflation Reduction Act. There, you can almost hear the sucking sound from around the world of all the money that's pouring in there right now because of all the subsidies and, and tax credits that have been put in place there. So, you know, it, I think we have to be guided by the facts here uh, and, and not be ideological or dogmatic about, about what the best way forward is. And I think it's really encouraging that we're basically kicking the leadership race off here with someone who has opened that door. Sabrina, what, what I love about it, just as a talk show host, is that uh, Racky's taking a bit of a risk with the existing membership of the NDP. And in my mind, what she's doing, and this is just at first glance. Okay, We all just saw the video. I mean, we're recording this, and I appreciate all of your availability. The, for, for the audience to know, this is, this is kind of like a last-minute ask, the three of you, because we got rumblings about this, and I said, I want to chat, you know, I want to talk this out with three smart people who know what they're talking about. So I appreciate all three of you showing up on short notice. But, but my impression of this is this is Racky appealing to the kind of wishy-washy, standing-on-the-fence typical conservative voter Rackie's appealing to the people that they have a real issue with the carbon tax that are open to ideas that that believe that the NDP shouldn't be excluded from leadership on the economy but do you think the focus is in the right direction like you you can make the argument that this is about affordability you can make the argument that this is about meaningful action on climate change if, if you want to criticize you know the effectiveness of the existing consumer carbon tax but but you know she she's sort of pushing her chips in uh, on this issue you right out of the gate strategically politically is it a smart move absolutely i mean i think albertans have over the last let's say nine years uh, a lot of them have felt politically homeless um they've maybe voted in the provincial election but they probably haven't done it with a lot of enthusiasm um and i think that what Racky's doing is she's appealing to those folks who have felt politically homeless over the last couple of years who maybe came out of that pc party um, and looked at Jason Kenney, and now we're looking at Daniel Smith, and thinking, absolutely not, no thank you, I don't want you attacking, um, you know, the rights of vulnerable children. Um, but they haven't really found a home with the NDP yet, because they're like, Hedge, yeah, as you said, I don't trust them on the economy, I'm not sure about it, are they serious, you know, I think they take health well. And I think that what she's doing is she's putting a bold proposal on the table and saying, this is a party that is going to take the economy seriously, this is a vision for 2027. Um, that she's not just running for leadership of the party, she's running to be premier. And I think that that's what you're getting out of this kind of launch announcement where she's first thing out of the door, she's tackling the carbon tax, right? And, you know, by contrast, you have uh, our current premier who spent, um, you know, the week touring with Republicans down in the United States, who I would say for the most part are going backwards on things like climate. I think New Hampshire just said that they were going to... Um, put you in jail maybe if you uh, consider investments on ESG considerations. So I think like in contrast to what we already see the conservatives doing, going further, further to the right, further to their base, there's just not a lot of political room for Albertans to be maneuvering. And I think Rocky's putting out this vision that says, everyone is gonna be welcome in this party. We're going to tackle the things we're known for, health, social issues, but we're also gonna put out a serious plan about the economy. And I think that that was a gap um, you know, in the last couple of elections with the NDP, no, no, um, you know, and, and I think that this is going to be a vision for 2027. 
I appreciate you bringing up what's happening in the States, and I'm guilty of, of having only read a headline on something, which, which is not a good move for a talk host because I don't know any of the details. Do any of, have any of you paid attention to what Charlie Angus was talking about yesterday, federal MP? Uh, Charlie Angus introducing a bill that essentially would see, uh, as it's being characterized, Canadians jailed for up to two years for expressing pro-oil and gas opinions. Max, you're nodding. Did you, did you pay attention to the story? It's not just happening in the States. What's the deal? Leah, you're kind of rolling your eyes, but Max, maybe we'll go to you first. What, what's the deal with this with charlie angus i mean it's like the federal ndp exists to to make life difficult for the alberta ndp sometimes doesn't it <laughs> yeah. um I, I mean look it, i understand where they're coming from with the bill I, I think there are certainly some claims coming out in the oil and gas sector that are probably uh exaggerations or or uh, misrepresentations of the truth but you know I, I think comparing energy to tobacco is is a really weird an inaccurate choice. And it's one that I don't think Albertans feel particularly good about. Um, you know, they, they are fundamentally different things. I think we already have standards around advertising in this country. I mean, you can't advertise false things uh, for a pharmaceutical product or, you know, a grocery product. So I don't really know why this is needed. It just sort of feels like an opportunity to maybe rally the base a little bit, um, you know, sort of in similar vein to, to some of the anti Loblaws stuff that the NDP is doing. And I just, again, you know, I, it would be really nice if the federal NDP could stop kneecapping the Alberta NDP uh, on this issue and, and maybe focus on the affordability, affordability issues that their voters actually care about. For the benefit of our podcast listeners, let me describe what people on YouTube are seeing. And that is that Leah Ward experiencing uh, either a, 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 an onset migraine or, or maybe a full-blown aneurysm. Uh, what, is, what is it about this story that's given you four more gray hairs? Yeah. I mean, Max kind of said it. Like, the, the, I grow so tired of these really unnecessary divisions. The You know, there's there's a lot of values that, that the provincial sectors of the NDP share with, with the federal chapter, and yet we continue to see these kind of uh, poorly thought out, really impractical uh, uh, things coming out, out of the federal party that end up making life much harder, particularly on the prairies where we're actually winning government. Like, I don't, I don't understand the logic here. And what it does is it forces, it forces um, prairie New Democrats to carve themselves out uh, from, from the federal party in ways that I think just aren't necessary. We could, we could do better to, to come together on these issues. But at the end of the day, Rachel did it consistently. She, she held herself out distinct from Jagmeet. She stood up for Alberta uh, you know, at, at odds often with, with her NDP counterparts in other parts of, of the country. Uh, I have no doubt that Raki will do the same. Um, hopefully this just sort of fizzles off into the wind because yeah, it's just... Can you can you take us into like take us into the establishment? Like I, I I've I've never I, I don't have an NDP membership. I'm not like part of the clique. I'm not part of the gang. Um, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of people that you know I've I've actually got into friendly arguments with people about who they believe needs to be the next leader. People are saying, well, the next leader of the NDP needs to be some of the old guard, the establishment. People are really kind of like fixated with that. I see this as an opportunity, but maybe this is political suicide. You tell me as an opportunity for for a new leader or a new leadership candidate to come in and, and kind of tell the federal NDP that like uh, whether it's an official name change or something like that I'm not proposing it's not realistic it's not mm -hmm. going to happen but to further 
to further differentiate the provincial party from the federal party. If you talk to, I see it in our live chat all the time. There are people that I think would be open to supporting that party that are looking for an alternative to the United Conservatives, but they just can't wrap their mind around that 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 whole thing. You know, you know the principle. You know how it goes. You buy a federal membership, you're automatically a provincial. You buy a provincial membership, you're automatically connected to the federal party. A lot of people don't like that. Mm-hmm. How much of a risk is it for a candidate to, to, to establish the Alberta NDP as its own independent entity and, and potentially increase the chasm that may exist between those two parties? Yeah, I, uh, so this is part of what frustrates me about announcements like this, is that it, it, it introduces that conversation once again, which takes us away from having conversations about about what we're facing in Alberta. Raki did a great job of talking about how the current UCP government is ignoring the real challenges and the real crises facing Albertans. You know, education, healthcare, housing, affordability, climate, drought, all of these things are, are, are real and pressing issues. And I want a leadership race that's focused on solutions to those issues and not about a, a, a line in the, the constitutional bylaws of of the party. I think it's it's a, a huge it would be a huge tactical error for this uh, race to become a debate about ourselves and not a debate about ideas that that solve solutions for, for people in this province hmm. uh, people are uh, the, the lefty Lance says I'd love to see Notley uh, pursue federal leadership you know her better than most people you think that that's on her radar at all you think that that's something that could be a possibility I uh, never in my career would presume to speak for Rachel Notley but uh, but if you were what, to what, right now what, if, what I know of her is that's unlikely yeah uh, Sabrina has has Rocky Pancholi today uh, uh, announcing her candidacy in this leadership race has she just created what we what we might call kind of the ballot box question like has has Racky made this leadership race about the carbon tax is like how do you perceive the the, the magnitude of this policy proposal as, as as with the limited details that we have where how do you think it'll end um i think it's going to be a little bit more than just the carbon tax. I think it's going to be about a vision and about who can actually beat the Conservatives in 2027 when we come to that point. I think that the carbon tax and the economy are going to play a big part of this debate. But I think a lot of that ties into everything else that we're dealing with, right? Leah talked about drought. That's related to our energy systems. That's related to our economy. Um, When we talk about how we're going to fund healthcare, which is hanging on by a a purse string here. Like, I think there's a lot of issues that are going to come to play here. I think the ballot box question is going to be, who do you trust to not only grow the party, to like provide a fresh vision? I think there's some folks who are going to come on the leadership scene who might be bringing back a pre-2015 vision of the party. And who do you trust to actually be positive and optimistic about this province? I talk about it all the time. I think Alberta is an amazing place to live. And sometimes I don't see that reflected in our leadership. I think we see a leadership that's very negative. We see a leadership that's constantly trying to blame other um, provinces, other parts of, of government. And I think that what Racky is going to do here uh, in framing the ballot box question, if she's able, is to talk about that positive vision, the vision for 2027, and essentially being the person who's going to uh, to be able to stand up to the Conservatives and deliver that message. 
What do you think, Max? Uh, you, you know as well as I do that any NDP candidate that's talking about reimagining, reinventing, or getting rid of a consumer carbon tax is going to immediately capture the attention of a couple of million people in Alberta. How significant will it be when it all plays out, this leadership race with obviously still a ton to develop? Well, I think it raises the bar for everyone else in the race and anyone else who might be thinking about joining it. It says that you, you need to come with your A game. You need to come willing to talk about things that maybe we haven't talked about before. Um, and I, I think that, you know, from the perspective of someone uh, who is, you know, obviously a fan of Rackies, like that, that excites me, that, that conversation about ideas rather than just a conversation about sort of buzzwords or slogans. Uh, I think that's, that's what's needed here. And, and you know, I, I, maybe it keeps some people out of the race, maybe it doesn't, but I think this is the first sort of meaningful shot that will have been fired. There will be other shots that other candidates fire, but this one, I think sets the tone. Uh, and I think that's what you want to do as someone who's early out the gate is, is set the tone for everyone else to match. We saw that with Danielle Smith in the, in the UCP leadership race. She set the tone with the Sovereignty Act. I mean, the Sovereignty Act was uh, a ridiculous idea, but it was an idea that captured people's imaginations and, and kind of communicated what she thought the party could become. And, and that really appealed to a lot of people. I think in some respects, that's what Racky's doing here. Obviously, this is this is a much more sort of coherent and and reasonably grounded idea. But it, to some new Democrats, I'm sure it feels uh, almost as ludicrous. And I think that is probably by design. It, it really kind of breaks open the barriers on this conversation and really uh, uh, presents an opportunity to grow the scale and scope of the conversation that that new Democrats are going to have. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see how this is going to land. Like like you know, Racky releases this video, and then as soon as her team you know hits send on the video, we go live, and here we are. And so I've not had a chance. I mean, I'm I'm doing my best to like refresh my mentions and keep an eye on the live chat, but we don't know really how this is landing yet. Uh, by the time people are listening to this podcast, we'll have a better idea. But 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 I do. Uh, suspect that she will alienate some existing party members. Is, is that the risk you have to take in a leadership race? I mean, I think for Racky's whole brand is sort of f fresh ideas and 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 being bold. And so, uh, you know, that whether that that's a risk, or it's it's just authentically her. And and I think it's the only way to go for her. I'm also very curious to see what my phone looks like when, yes. when we get off air. Uh, Why don't we look at see, it live I, on the air, Leah? Why don't we load up your mentions, your texts, see what they look like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure people would love that. Uh, what, what do you yeah. what do you suspect but, but, it's going to look like? Well, here's the thing. Like I I I I. I I can't fully predict how this will land uh, across the party base, um, but but what I believe is that New Democrats want to see meaningful action on climate change. That that holds true. That is a consistent theme um, in our conversations as a party. Uh, so and 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 further to sort of I think it was Sabrina who mentioned uh, or, or perhaps Max that the. Actually, no, it was someone in your in your chat feed who said that it that the that the debate over the carbon tax has actually prevented us from taking We have the smartest action. viewers. Yeah, you've got great viewers. We and do. and that, that that really nailed it for me. And I think I think removing that obstacle, you know, so we're not throwing cow pies at each other over over something that is becoming less and less viable anyway. Um, and 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 saying, OK, let's let's like get down to brass tacks and come up with a real solution. I think that should actually be compelling to most new Democrats who want to see action. Mm. Sabrina, you're coming to us from Calgary. Yeah. Yeah. You think Nenshi's running? 
you know what? I think he loves being talked about. Oh, and sure he I does. That's always been the case. So um, what I like about this quantification is that I think it's bringing an energy to the race and it's an excitement. It's drawing attention to it in a way that maybe we wouldn't have seen had that not been the case. Um, but I think that uh, does he, doesn't he, it doesn't matter to me. And I think it doesn't matter to a lot of Albertans. It matters that whoever's in the race is serious uh, about getting um, this province back on track and on getting you know folks attracted to the NDP. I think he certainly offers an interesting vision if he was able to join, but he also comes with a lot of baggage. And I think Calgarians will tell you that. Yeah, there, there, there's baggage there. Um, obviously, he'd have to uh, take me into the, the rules. He'd have to apply for a special exemption. Right? I mean, I, actually, I don't know because I don't know if he's held a membership for more than six months, but he, he would likely have to apply for an exemption. Yeah. Uh, you know, that this is how they keep the David Parkers out of the race, right? Yeah, and that, that rule was really meant to keep bad actors out of the race. And if it is the case that he wants to run and didn't have a membership, you know, by the cutoff date, then there is a mechanism for him to sure. for him to appeal that. And and I would expect the party to to admit him. I see no reason not to. And it's I, a bad I, look if they don't. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we want we were inclusive. You want we a want robust to a race, race, obviously. All of those so I, I would expect that to, to not be a barrier. Yeah, at all. yeah. I don't know. I'm, I, I know that there are people that are really working hard to get him to run and then and i know that there are people that are like he's not running what are you even talking about you're wasting your time before we thank you all for your time and thanks for doing this on short notice max i, I got a quick question for you uh, i was talking to shauna feth ceo of alberta chambers of commerce just the other day on, on monday if people want to check out our episode uh, talking about opportunities that she believes uh are uh, you know huge uh for alberta and canada based on uh, potus on joe biden uh, pressing pause on lng on natural gas and then we got some comments comments following our interview some folks said well hang on a second the white house is doing this because uh, of environmental reasons and they're trying to reduce emissions and then canada is just going to step in and try to fill the void that's not exactly what we should be doing so so what it makes some sense of this in a few sentences of of what's happening with the pause uh, out of the oval office on natural gas and what it means for for canadian producers i mean it it's kind of sad at this point that, that folks in the oil and gas industry are forever looking at everything through the lens of how can we export more fossil fuels? You know, they did that with the crisis in Ukraine when the Russians invaded. They're doing it now with, with the announcement from Biden on LNG. Um, you know, the world is transitioning away from fossil fuel consumption. Uh, you know, demand for LNG is probably going to continue growing for, uh, you know, a decade or two. But that cake is already being baked in the oven. So I think that there is a case for maybe an additional LNG project in addition to stage two for LNG Canada. Um, I think there's some really interesting opportunities there for Indigenous reconciliation in BC, but those merits stand on their own. It's not like the, the absence of an LNG terminal in the United States is a reason for us to all of a sudden double down on more LNG exports. You know, I saw uh, a conservative trying to explain their vote against the Ukraine free trade deal their latest vote against it on the basis that, well, we should really just be trying to export LNG to Ukraine. I mean, it, it, it's almost pathetic at this point, the extent to which um, this part of our political universe sees everything through the prism of how can we export more fossil fuels? I think we need to have a more sophisticated conversation than that. And we have to, as I said, we have to read the play in front of us. And the play in front of us in Alberta is the energy transition is happening. So it would be nice if, if we could all get on the same page there. Appreciate that, Max. Uh, that's Max Fawcett, joined by Sabrina Grover and uh, Leah Ward. Uh, to the three of you, always a pleasure to welcome you to the show. Thanks for making yourselves available. Thanks. All right. Bye.
Real talkers, let us know what you think now. It's over to you. Talk at ryanjesperson.com. Is this the issue that is going to define where this leadership race goes? Did Racky Pancholi just basically put that ballot box question in front of us, so to speak? Let us know what you think. The live chat is booming right now. Engagement this morning is out of control, and I think that that actually speaks for itself in a way. I want to let you know that this conversation doesn't happen without our friends at Grand Dog Essentials. Uh, Of course, you know them. Weekly delivery uh, of the most uh, quality raw pet food, uh, dog and cat food that you're going to find in the province of Alberta. And I say that with confidence because it's what we've been feeding our dogs. Moses and Monroe, we love them for the past number of years. We were feeding them Grand Dog Essentials quality raw food before we even did business with this family-owned company. They've got an awesome promotion through the month of February I want to tell you about if your dog or cat is suffering from chronic urinary tract infections oh man what a hassle do you have a breed that's susceptible to bladder stones uh, Dalmatians German Shepherds Shih Tzus you can prevent those expensive trips to the vet with Adored Beasts Easy Peasy Protocol <laughs> you can find it on special right now we don't say easy peasy enough on the show Johnny two, uh, two phrases today uh, easy peasy and, and pizzazz I like this we're getting it um, granddog.ca for the entire month of February. Easy peasy. I'm just going to keep promoting this because I love saying it. It supports your uh, pet's bodies, uh, their gut, foundational health, and bladder kidney function by maintaining correct pH balance to present, uh, prevent those urinary tract infections, crystals, and stones. Obviously incredibly painful and, and a hassle for the humans in the house too. Learn more about Adored Beast Easy Peasy Protocol on special right now by visiting Granddog. If you're thinking of reinventing your space outside and you're going to invest in some landscaping this summer, I know you're not thinking about the summer right now. It's February. You're like, what are you talking about? Well, listen, if you want shovels in the ground as soon as the ground thaws, now's the time to connect with Eden Landscaping. Their team is already working on designs. Of course, those blueprints for their clients that are going to be bringing their outdoor spaces to life. And here's the deal as well. They're also scheduling in the work. So it's not like you give them a call in June and all of a sudden the the work's going to start a week later, right? They're scheduling their workers. They're getting everything organized. So if you want to have your yard ready to go for that birthday celebration, that anniversary celebration, maybe you want to throw an end of school year celebration for your kids, invite their friends over, the parents have a little mixer in the backyard. Why not have it ready to go, courtesy of Eden Landscaping? You can get that conversation started today. Learn how they work by visiting their website, landscapeedmonton.ca. And a quick shout out to those of you that are looking for work. I know it's an incredibly frustrating time for a lot of people. You're applying and applying and applying, and you're not hearing back. Listen, if you work in HR, if you work in sales, if you work as an office administrator, if you work as a team manager, if you happen to have your ticket as an electrician or you're an apprentice, if you've worked maybe even as a solar installer, Kubi Energy is hiring and they want to hear from you. You can check out the careers link at kubienergy.ca. This is a company like Johnny and I have hung out at their headquarters. They've got a ping pong table. They've got cold beer on tap. They have road hockey on Fridays in their back alley. I mean, honestly, they do it different. Plus, they're Western Canada's busiest solar installers. You know, the work is going to keep on. That are working in Lethbridge, in Kamloops, in Calgary, in Edmonton, and their boardroom table has a freaking bonsai tree growing out of it. <laughs> Check out the careers link at kubienergy.ca. We have kind of a cool workplace. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. 
Nice pizzazz. Thank I like you. that comment. I think it was Sylvia. Someone threw that in. It says, Racky has pizzazz. I know what she's talking about. There's a few guests uh, that come on this show. Sean Canungo is another one. Uh, Sean joined us early in January, an, an incredibly compelling public speaker, a guy that he's, he's an innovation strategist, and and that same sort of a vibe. Like, And, and I'm, I'm not going to gush here, and I'm, we're going to do fair interviews with all the leadership candidates, but like to state the obvious, uh, Racky Pancholi brings that kind of Je ne sais quoi to the table. She brings that X factor. And, and obviously, um, when, when you're looking at, at, at somebody that is going to go, like, I don't know, the way that my mind works when I start thinking about campaigns and then I start thinking about elections and then sure. I start thinking about how people win elections, mm-hmm. I think about debates. Mm-hmm. And I would pay the price of admission to see Danielle Smith and Racky Pancholi go toe-to-toe in a debate, oh, yeah. I think that I think, that would be compelling content. I agree with you. I think she's the number one. She's the one who's going to give her the Danielle the, the run for her money, right? And we were talking about this yesterday. I think Nenshi's in there, too. But I think I think Aaliyah made a good point. Like, is he really trying to run or is he just like, hey, here I am. Yeah. I'm still around, right? Because like he loves that. Yeah, uh, uh, Sabrina's comment as well where, where she says, like, we, we're looking for, like, serious candidates. If exactly. he's serious, then he'll have to get serious. But he probably loves everybody talking about him. We're expecting to see announcements. We haven't seen them yet. So, like, I'll, you know, I'll kind of, like, hang tight on on getting too deep into this. But we're sure. expecting to see campaign announcements from Sarah Hoffman. She's, mm-hmm. she's all but uh, told everybody that she's running. Um, a formidable candidate. A ton of experience, obviously. Mm-hmm. Obviously, former deputy premier, former health minister, uh, former chair of the Edmonton Public School mm-hmm. Board. So she's got a lot of experience. We expect that David Shepard, sure. uh, we expect. I mean, he told me he's running at the yeah. Edmonton Chamber Ball. So we know he's running. So yeah. David Shepard's going to run. Ganley uh, on Edmonton yesterday. Center. Kathleen Ganley on yesterday. Uh, and, then, and then we'll see who else throws their hat into the ring. I, I sent a text uh, to Shannon Phillips uh, because when I, when I we mentioned that photo that, that surfaced, Kathleen Ganley, the Ganley campaign. Uh, if you missed our conversation, by the way, with MLA Ganley, you can catch it uh anywhere you get your podcasts or on youtube obviously we spoke with her yesterday um shannon phillips appears in the photo as uh, endorsing um kathleen Kelly. that kind of answered a question i had which was maybe was was shannon phillips flirting with the idea of running um she's obviously elected not to at this point but uh shannon's got a ton of experience as well and is, is a great uh orator shannon's great at, at uh, sharing her perspective and she's got one of the mm-hmm. sharpest tongues in the alberta legislature that's a compliment um so yeah so that, that was i think was one of the bigger endorsements for Kathleen Ganley. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see. The race still has lots of road race ahead on. of it. And, uh, and and you will be hearing from every single serious candidate in yeah. this race right here on Real Talk. So we thank everybody that subscribes. Um, this studio was hopping last night. It was, yeah. We had some, some fun guests We did in have here. some guests in studio last night. And Our we, man. We had I love him. this guy. <laughs> Ian Hanna-Mansing hosted the National. Um, they had him in after hours. He's in town. Uh, he's in Edmonton working on a story that uh, that obviously will roll out on the National in days to mm-hmm. come. But it was so cool to, you know, Ian reaches out and basically uh, said, you know, when you get certain messages and then all of a sudden Ian Hanna-Mansing's name pops up on my phone. And he's like, hey, I love what you're doing with Real Talk. He goes, I listen as much as I can, and I'd love mm-hmm. to see the studio. A little surreal to have him in yeah. here, uh, to have Ian in the house. And, the, and, and then, then uh, in comes uh, Quickie Dicky, And then Quickie Dicky, <laughs> uh, Quick quick Dick McDick, uh, pops into studio after Ian, because Ian's a responsible storyteller, right? He's a, very, yeah. he's a real professional. You don't, you don't rise to host of we the National and the CBC. We had to shoo him out before we let in the van. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I said, you, I said, you want to hang out with Quick Dick? And he looks at me and he knew who he was. Yeah. But he, he goes, man, I got to He goes, I got to shoot at like eight in the morning. <laughs> yeah. And I think he knew where that was going to go. And so sure enough. So Ian leaves and then we got Quick Dick McDick to join. And that's our, our buddy Gino uh, that we ran into. Gino. Uh, and uh, and so there you have it. So the, so the studio was hop until about yeah. three in the morning. Uh, but Quick Dick and Ian both promised me that the next time that they're in town, they'll join us for in-studio interviews, and so we're looking forward to that. But Incredible. I wanted to shout out uh, two of the biggest supporters of this show, and, and we're huge fans of what both of them do. Obviously, different personalities and different perspectives. <laughs> Quick like, Dick and Ian Hanneman saying that's that's the but, saying uh, the least of it right but, there. But boy, did we have a good time. <laughs> we and, do uh, want to shout out uh, the discourse as well. New podcast yeah. uh, out today. A really good one on what we've been spending a lot of time on. You know, trans policies uh the ucp and their parental rights uh policies uh a really great expert on the show yesterday uh dr joe Raish out of calgary who uh really educated all three of us who were sitting there erica broody Cheryl Oates, and myself on just uh how some of the wording in what the ucp was saying you know a lot of it was already in place a lot of these things they're talking about you know there was no one really getting procedures under 18 uh everyone who takes sex ed as as uh, someone uh, 15 or under usually gets a call or something sent to the home right. letting them know that they're going to get that kind of education and then went a little deeper into uh you know internationally what's going on in the UK how how Canada is different from places like Malta and other places that are actually ahead way ahead of North America with their trans policy. So it was really great. If you want to go check out the show tomorrow or, or today, uh, check it out. Yeah, the so discourse. it's out as of, uh, it comes out 7 a.m. Eastern, so 5 a.m. Mountain Time. Mm -hmm. You can subscribe to the discourse anywhere you get your podcasts and find them on YouTube. I know you've got a quick clip. Can, yeah, can we give people an idea? So, so so, here's just a quick snippet of a of a fabulous conversation that they had in this week's episode produced by our very own John Hicks. There is this sort of narrative out there that there could be a kid out there, a young kid who just comes to school one day and decides that they're not a girl anymore they're a boy and then somehow they just get plucked up and are now on hormones or or moving into a system that will offer them surgery this is not something that happens uh, spur of the moment it, 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 these are not medical decisions that occur lightly or without consultation with parents or or families the process of, of transitioning if you look on average it takes roughly seven years kind of start to finish so th th this is a, a long you know journey where it's not just you know a snapshot in time and, you know, we're going to kind of knee-jerk react to something. Often the youth that we see have been struggling with feelings of gender dysphoria for, for many years. Their parents are aware, their parents are, are supportive, and, and they're wanting to ensure that their child doesn't suffer or struggle anymore um, with needing to, for example, go through uh, a, a puberty that does not align with with their gender identity. I have seen no scientific data that has actually said that these claim to be a life-saving care. And what I mean by that is on the correlation between mental health, um, if you're depressed, if you have ADHD in other terms, like that the hormone therapy or other forms of, of transition are directly correlated. Because I've also looked at the risks of taking hormone blockers. There's mental health health, osteoporosis, mood disorders, seizures, cognitive impairment, and, and also when combined with cross-sex hormones, there's questions of, of being sterile. The life-savingness of those interventions, um, I mean, the most kind of concrete example, of course, is in the reduction of suicidal thinking and suicide attempts. And there is very clear uh, Canadian data, actually, to, to support that uh, gender-affirming care, in fact, does lower that. When we say life-saving 
um, I, I'm, I'm using that phrasing to describe um, not only promoting the, the longevity of, of someone's life, but, but the quality of their life, too. That's the discourse this week's episode uh, featuring, of course, the two hosts. If you're not familiar with their story, we love the premise of this talk show. It's Erica Baruti's uh, founding president of the UCP, former principal secretary uh, to Premier Danielle Smith. And, of course, Cheryl Oates, uh, who was basically the head honcho. She was director of communications for Rachel Notley. She, she, she steered the messaging for Notley's NDP through the years in government and a couple of years beyond. So you, you get the, the, the kind of the both perspectives on it. They hash through the most important political issues, both provincially and nationally, every week. And, and we invite you to subscribe anywhere you get your podcast. That's The Discourse. You can find them on YouTube as well. Coming up on Friday's episode of Real Talk, we'd love to have you back. Uh, we're going to get into some of your emails on what we've been talking about over the past week or so obviously some heavy political content and a lot of you have strong opinions to talk at ryanjesperson.com some of those will be appearing through the flamethrower presented by our friends at the dqs of northwest edmonton in sherwood park and it's national burn awareness week two of my very good friends kelly fardalo and spencer beach are going to join us in studio and that's going to get real Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, Executive Producer Josh Dunford, Technical Producer John Hicks, General Manager Katie Cook Chivers, Account Coordinator Lawrence Durlego, Human Resources Lena Shepard, Website Design Mike Johnston, VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a Relay Project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com. 